Hey everyone, on today's Buds and Beers, we recap some of the exciting college football games from the weekend, we give you our week 4 top 10 poll, and we run through some quick hitters from NFL Sunday. Let's go! Hey guys, welcome back to Buds and Beers. It's Tuesday, it's really hot in Michigan, and Dwayne Wade just signed with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I almost said Browns, holy cow. Reunited and it feels so good. Team. Here Ryan's really pissed off, which makes it better. Who's really pissed off? Ryan. Yeah, I was going to text him earlier and be like, hey, <laughs> what's on? What's going on there? Yeah. <laughs> Your favorite player just signed. Like, is he going to have to root for the Cavs now, or? Wow. Earlier, said the only thing that in the NBA that is bigger than his love for Dwayne Wade is a hate for the Cavs. So, I, the Cavs forced a breakup of one of the happiest couples in the NBA. And I'm really excited about it. It's just, Kevin Hart and his wife are going down. Ryan and uh, Dwayne Wade. Who's next? Bad things happen in threes, so keep your eye uh, out. I think David Beckham and Victoria Spice. What? I guess. Oh, okay. I'm going to go with, uh, geez, I don't even know any. Oh, uh, Kendall and her baby. She's going to break up with her baby? Yeah, just think about what that means. (laughs) (laughs) God damn it. Anyway, um,. We uh we missed our podcast last Thursday. We we did we were, were unable to record with conflicting schedules and a lot of stuff that came up. So unfortunately, we weren't able to give you guys our our uh, picks and previews for last week, and we apologize for that. But we are gonna right the ship this week and get back into it. There were there were a lot of good college football games, but there were three that we're gonna focus on specifically. And the one we're gonna start with happened in Tallahassee, where the Wolfpack won on the road versus a ranked opponent for the first time since 2008 when they beat the Seminoles 27 to 21. Yeah, you know, this game didn't really surprise me uh, just because we didn't know what to expect from Forest State having lost Francois. And I sound fancy just saying that. Uh, but the Wolfpack, their staple all year has been their D-line. And it's very similar. It's just the staple of what they are. And to be able to get pressure on a young quarterback and get him worried that's going to lead to success well you don't even need a good defensive line to get pressure on a florida state quarterback their offensive line is just awful um and that doesn't help when you have a true freshman starting for the first time since like 1985 and he did a good job when he was able to stay upright but it's just you know they were rusty because they haven't played in in three weeks this is the first time they've started 0-2 now in 28 years it's just, it's not going to be the Hurricanes, or I'm sorry, it's not going to be the Hurricanes. It's not going to be the Seminoles' year because of the injury to Francois, and their offensive line isn't good. It's just, you know, 
I'm thinking eight, nine wins for this team. A little bit disappointing, but they'll probably bounce back and be pretty healthy next year. Everything seems to be adding up to go against them. I mean, when you throw in the quarterback being hurt, the hurricane problems, it's just all coming back against Florida State. Yeah, it's just it's just not necessarily the best time to be a, a Florida State fan. Um, fun fact, the last time that NCSU, or the Wolfpack, beat a ranked team was in 2012 and that was also against florida state so you said that about four minutes ago no i said that was the first time they won a a ranked opponent they won versus a ranked opponent on the road and that was in 2008 okay but good try my apologies come on You, you think i'd repeat facts like that kind of i'm disappointed in you i'm better than that and you know that um but yeah, that, I thought that was a little fun fact that they're now the the same team that beat or they beat the same team twice to end kind of losing streaks against ranked teams. And I love that it was against Florida State because I am not a Jimbo Fisher guy. I'm not a Florida State guy, and uh, I don't mind seeing their program lose. So it was a good it was a good day in that sense. Yeah, I mean, it's always good to see a team you don't like go down. That's probably the best part of college football. I don't know about the best, because I feel like the best is when your team defeats a team that you really don't like, or when your team wins a big game, but it is, like, when I had a Saturday where Michigan State gets crushed, and, um, you know, Cincinnati loses, to have something to hold on to, like, Tallahassee, the loss in Tallahassee, I, uh, that's just, that helps me get through my week, so I appreciate that. It makes everything a little bit better. It does. Um, next big game we wanted to talk about was the upset that happened in Stillwater. TCU beat Okie State in their first win in Oklahoma since joining the Big 12. Shout out to the Horned Frogs. That's a nice, uh, it's a nice little statistic. It is, and this is really bad timing for me because our last podcast, I raved about how much I liked that Oklahoma State offense. Yeah. I mean, it's still electric, but God, it. It wasn't this. It just wasn't there on Saturday, and the Horned Frogs took advantage of it. Yeah, the Horned Frogs looked really good. Their offense ran for 203 yards on like 40 carries, I think. Kenny Hill and Darius Anderson were both kind of unstoppable, and Oklahoma State's defense could not get any stops whatsoever. So the the Horned Frogs ended up having the ball for 39 minutes compared to uh, 21 for uh tcu i'm sorry for okie state and uh unless i mean you're not going to win the game when you're out when your opponent possesses the ball for that much longer and your explosive offense can't get on the field and even when they were on the field the wide receivers were covered there uh the the frogs were getting a lot of pressure on uh what's his name mike not mike what's the quarterback's name uh, Mason Rudolph. Mason. They were getting a lot of pressure on Mason. They were kind of making him move around in the pocket. It was it was the perfect game played by TCU, and they kind of showed that hey, this isn't Oklahoma's conference for the taking. We uh, we can still put up a fight. It's you're gonna have to repeat this because I lost you there. It really is Oklahoma's conference for taking. Still, like let's be honest. It is, but TCU showed that they're not just gonna roll over and play dead. But here's. Well, the- Go ahead. The thing is, the Big 12 is notorious for not playing defense. And TCU is the one team in that conference that will actually 
give a damn to that side of the ball. And I think you saw that on Saturday. Oh, obviously you saw it on Saturday. They went in with the clear strategy, like, hey, we're going to hold on to the ball to keep that help our defense. Our defense, are gonna we're going to shut down the receivers, and we're going to make them win with someone besides Mason Rudolph. And the, uh, the Cowboys proved that they couldn't do it. That's kind of this kind of feels like the same loss that Ohio State had at home to um, Oklahoma, where they were dominated on uh, both sides of the ball, and they just couldn't really they couldn't get anything going. Yeah, no, I mean that's what it is, and that's the way to beat a team that yeah. you perceive. It's not it's not that a team that's better than you, but like a very good team. So. I, I, yeah, exactly. The one thing I do have a, a couple things I want to throw out here. Oh, a few. Um, first of all, is Mike Gundy going to cut his hair now because they lost? Is he, or is he going to stick with the mullet? I hope not. He should, he should stick with it. He should see the season through. He's a man. He's older than 40. You know, he is 40, at least. That's why I said he's older than 40. Um, he needs to, he, he can do whatever he wants with his hair. Second thing, um, Fun fact for this season, teams who, who use the abbreviation OSU when they're talking about in the the team are 0-2 at home versus ranked opponents this season, and I am quoting Oklahoma State and Ohio State, both losing at home, one to Oklahoma and one to TCU. Now, Have the Beavers and Oregon State had a ranked opponent yet this year? Because I would really love to shove that back in your face. I did not do that much research. I just kind of figured that was that would make you laugh or uh, you'd be a dick about it, and you went with the latter, so thanks for that. Um, last thing that I'm going to say, the Big 12 has a championship game this season, right? It does, yes. So that kind of bums me out because what's inevitably going to happen is that the Sooners will beat TCU, but they'll lose to Oklahoma State. And we're gonna we're gonna miss all the controversy and drama that would happen when the conference would try and pick its conference championship or a conference champion without that championship game because there's but gonna you get would still have that you would still have that drama if everybody's one and one then you have the drama of who's playing in the championship game yeah but it's not the same because it's you're playing in the championship game you're not being awarded the championship you know it's not as high of stakes but it's still a game to get you into the playoffs and that's exactly what the big 12 championship is going to be no obviously a playoff qualifier. i know but i'm just saying i'm, I'm going to be uh, come week 13 i'm going to be reminiscing about two years ago when it was like texas oklahoma and nebraska and everyone was one and one against each other and you you know the, the rules say that you have to dive in and look at whoever stats at a rainy day at night or a, a rainy night at home or whatever stats that you have to look at to try and break the tie. It's just, it was fun. It was very uh, dramatic. And there was a lot of controversy. And two teams always went home upset. And then the one team that got picked would do well or they'd lose in the bowl game. And all the fans for the two teams that missed out would be like, oh, we would have we put up more points than that. We would have gave them a game. So it's just so a bummer. Basically, what happened to Ohio State and Penn State last year with the Penn State fans going, "Oh, we wouldn't have gotten shut out." Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, speaking of Penn State, the last game that I want to talk about was the Penn State Iowa game, an unbelievably exciting game. Kind of boring until the fourth quarter because it was so defensively dominated. But wow, was that fourth quarter crazy? Man, Saquon Barkley. We talked about him a little bit before the season, but we had no idea this was going to no. happen. I mean, 
This guy's insane. He he had 300 plus total yards of uh, offense uh, on Saturday. He jumped. He juked. He sprinted. If there was a defender in front of him, the defender wasn't going to be there for long because he was. I mean, there were he was he was unstoppable. There were like two or three times where he would get the handoff and Jewel, the linebacker from Iowa, would be like two feet in front of him. And, and Barkley would just play with him, and he'd do a move, and then he'd do another move and just run right past Jewel like he was standing still. And the most impressive thing to me, like, watching it, was it was a different move every time. Yeah. Not a guy that just makes a cut or a juke. He's got the entire bag of tricks, and he's going to get past you in whatever way you don't see coming. Yep, he is, he's just going to take... He's going to look at you, he's going to find your weakness, and he's going to exploit it. All in like a tenth of a second, he can just read you. He's like a freaking robot. It, it's incredible what he's doing. Yeah, it really was. And uh, speaking of incredible, the throw that Trace McShirley, McShirley, right? That's how you say it? Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, the, the throw that he had on the fourth and goal was just, I mean, perfection. It was ballsy, that's for sure. Yeah, it was. But, I mean, the, he had the perfect touch and accuracy. He, and he hadn't played well throughout the entire game. But on that last drive when his team needed him, the dude stepped up and made plays. I mean, that seems to be his M.O., really. I don't know if I – I mean, the first – maybe – I don't know if I could say that this season. I didn't watch him well enough last season to, to agree with that. But this season he's been blowing everyone out. But it was kind of cool to see when a guy gets his back against the wall and, and your playoff hopes are kind of up in the air or have the potential to be up in the air, do buckles down and makes plays. Yeah, no, he, he was phenomenal, but I, I'm still just trying to get over Saquon Barkley. And he, even the Iowa defense, just shut, shutting down a person is not the phrase I would use for someone who had 300 total yards. But they kept him as quiet as they really could. I mean, a guy of that caliber. They, Iowa was kind of had that bend but don't break philosophy going on where they would let Penn State maybe get a few first downs or get close to the red zone, but then they'd lock it down and keep the Nittany Lions out of the end zone and force them to kick field goals. And the Iowa would stay in the game with uh, a fluke play here or there on offense that would get them, that would set them up for points. I mean, that's, that's Iowa's thing. And in night games in Kinnick stadium, they're going to, they're going to play really good defense below average offense. And they're going to beat you in a low scoring 14-13, 16-14 game. No, I mean, we've all seen it a hundred times, those night games, where they just want to give them sh- give themselves a chance to win. And they did on Saturday. It just it was one of the rare ones where it didn't work out for them. Yep. Um, do want to give a quick shout-out to Iowa and the, uh, the new tradition that they're doing where after the end of the first quarter, everyone turns and waves to the children's hospital. That's a very, very cool tradition, and I really, really like it. So, um Shout out to the I Hawkeyes. The tradition of having the pink away locker room. Yeah, speaking of that, um, that's that's clutch. But then Purdue doesn't have air conditioning in their away locker room, and that's freaking savage, dude. That game, it was like ninety degrees in uh, Lafayette, West Lafayette, on Saturday. Michigan went back to their buses just to cool off during halftime. <laughs> that's the way to get into your opponent's head. That's I mean that's just that's crazy. All these fun head games. Exactly. So now that we recap some of the more exciting games, uh, we'll we'll give you guys our second top ten poll of the season. And please remember to tweet at us your what you guys think. Tweet at us your top ten polls. We want to hear from you guys. Um, 
so let's dive into it. Uh, who do you got at number one? I'm sticking with my number one team from last week, and that is the Alabama Crimson Tide with a dominant performance over Vanderbilt. Dominant performance. Uh, outgained Vandy 677-78. to 78. Uh, Saban's now won 19 straight games over SEC opponents. Um, that's, I mean, for me, I have Clemson still um, just because they won and they won big. But um, Clemson has a couple more impressive wins than Alabama does this season. And they have the national championship last year, so that's why I have Clemson at the one. But honestly, you interchange those two, and I'm 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 pretty cool with it. I completely agree, and that's why at number two I do have that Clemson front seven, which is again I use the phrase dominant. Yep, that's what they've been. Yep. Uh, who you got at three? Uh, at three, I have the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, they just have that win at in Columbus, and that's going to carry them a long way. Yep, um, I had them at two last week, but I dropped them because they struggled with a winless Baylor team, and they uh, and Alabama dominated like we just talked about. So I, I thought Alabama deserved to jump up the spot, and Oklahoma still with the strength of the Ohio State game. That's why I have them ahead of Penn State. But uh, yeah, the Sooners at three I thought was very fair. Um, fun facts: the large longest active winning streak in the. NCAA now belongs to Oklahoma at 14 straight games. Huh. Yeah. It, seem, it doesn't seem right, but, like, it is. Yeah, ever since is. since they lost to Ohio State last season, they haven't lost a game. That's not too bad. And I think, like, Baker talked about it after the game on Saturday where the video came out of him kind of talking trash and saying, oh, you guys forgot who daddy is, you're going to get a spanking or whatever. Yeah, that was I think that was kind of a, a, a big moment just because he matured a little bit after the game where he talked about, you know, that was another team who had their back against the wall and they had the same kind of mindset that we had going into Ohio State and a lot of teams that we play are going to have that mindset. So I think that that game was probably one of the better things that could happen for Oklahoma just because now their quarterback realizes that, hey, we got a target on our back and uh, we better watch out or, you know, we can't slip up and, and blow our shot. Yeah, no, that's actually a really good point. Thank you. Um, who you got coming in at number five? Well, at number four, I'm gonna go with the Nittany Lions. Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Sorry. Uh, I also have the Nittany Lions. Um, they they had their first test of the day, the the season. They made it through. Uh, now you just gotta focus on the next game and continue to feed Barkley. Who is clearly I, I mean, after watching him Saturday, I'm I'm ready to pencil him in as the best running back in college football. He's definitely up there, but there's a guy coming up at six who might have something to say about it. Six, interesting. Uh well before six is five, and now that I know how to count, I'm ready to hear who you have in that spot. I got the Washington Huskies. Oh my god. Uh, dude, I mean, you in your rankings you have Clemson above Bama because of what they did last year and I am trusting in Washington and their returning senior quarterback from what they did last year not only for what they did last year but they've also went and they beat Louisville and they beat who was the other team they beat another rank yeah they beat Auburn that's two ranked teams that Bama hasn't played so yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna reward Clemson for having a little bit tougher of a schedule than Alabama has so far 
That's fair, I guess. Yeah, so... I like the Huskies. They got a lot of talent, and I have them in the top five. In the spirit of what I was just talking about, I have Georgia, because Georgia just dominated a ranked team at home. They beat Notre Dame on the road, and they've really, I mean, they've done nothing but impress me so far. So I'm going to reward their their tougher schedule that they've had to play, and I'm going to jump them from, I think I had them at eight last week. I'm putting them up to five this week. Well, and that's why I have them right behind there at six, and the guy I was referring to earlier, Nick Chubb, we yeah. thought that might be their only weapon on offense. And that turns out to not be the case. They got guys all over the place. I mean, it's Georgia. We probably should have realized that, but Nick Chubb was the only name we kind of knew as the household name. Yeah, Nick Chubb's really great. And I thought what's interesting is the uh, Eason, the injured quarterback, is going to be coming back soon. So the whole dynamic of are you going to continue with Jake Fromm, who, is, who has won you a few big games and played pretty well, or are you going to throw it back to the guy who uh, you know, lost his starting spot just because he got injured? Classic JT Cardell debate. Classic uh, Kaepernick-Smith debate. And with the University of Georgia, I know that's the alma mater of your boy, Matt Stafford. Yeah. That... Uh, sport Clayton Kershaw. Oh, you know what? Good good drop, man. I almost forgot about that. So, uh, you said you have... Yeah, no, I like to keep people aware. You said you have Georgia at six, right? I do, yes. All right, well, I have Michigan at six. Um... I think they also won their first real test of the season. They beat a ranked opponent in the Gators, who I know are missing nine players, all of which are facing felony charges, but I digress. But <laughs> you look at that Michigan defense, and they allowed they allowed one yard in the second half, which is just unbelievable. And then... That's a, that's a mad stat. Yeah. And then John O'Corn kind of got that offense moving, and he, and he was able to put the ball in the end zone, so maybe he's the key to getting the offense on track. Um, but Michigan now has a bye week, and then they face Sparty, so I think that'll be a big night game at home for the Wolverines. Just another little off thing here, just talking about Michigan. Their defensive coordinator is Dom Brown, and he is most definitely going to be a, a head coaching candidate at the end of the season. The guys had like dominant defenses ever since he got to U of M with Harbaugh, so... Don't be don't be surprised if your team's looking for a coach if Don Brown is on the list. I completely agree. I mean, that's kind of a staple of Harbaugh having the dominant defense, but I mean, you need somebody to implement it. Yeah, and he is done. I mean, just looking at adjustments when you when you only allowed one yard in the second half, that is that's just that's not real. Yeah, no, that's stupid. Yep. So uh, number seven, who do you have? Number seven, I. have That's that's fair. I uh, I also have the Trojans. Uh, what's your reasoning? The quarterback play. I know how dominant Michigan's defense is, but at the end of the day, if USC and Michigan were playing in a game and it was Wilton Spate versus Sam Darnold, I know who I'm taking in that game every single time. Just fun fact, if you had to take uh, Russell Wilson or Peyton Manning, who would you take? You know I'm dying. Well, then you're dying with a Super Bowl loss. Just just throwing that out there. That's just as long as I win two others. Oh, okay. You know, just as long as you're cool with losing two, going two and two in the Super Bowl. I, you know, what, that's, that's I mean, a, I prefer going three and four in the NBA Finals, but 
teach their own. That's a, that's a different debate, but the point is, I think <laughs> the reason I put Michigan ahead was just because I think a, a defense can help you win those big games and, and can make up for a bad offense more than a, a good offense can make up for a bad defense. Um, and that's that's why we have the podcast. That's why we can argue. But I do have a question. You mentioned that Sam Darnold, the the obviously he's got a high draft pick and a high, um, high, everyone's a pretty high on him. But he's he's I don't know if he's played exceptionally well in these first three or four games. I think he has a he has at least one pick in every game, doesn't he? Hello, you there? All right, but it's, do, it's kind of—I don't want to say bad, but it just takes kind of like plays off his decision making, and so every now and then he'll make a bad play, but then you'll see him lead a receiver out of a cut with incredible anticipation, and that's on the next play. So, so he—he's basically Jameis Winston. He's a guy whose decision making will need work but can make almost every single throw. Oh, he can definitely make every single throw, yeah. Okay, so that's that's just what I was asking. So you don't think his draft stock has taken a hit because of the, the interceptions? No, and I've watched two of his games now, and at least two of the interceptions that I've seen him throw were off the hands of the receivers and just kind of those fluke things. All right, I, now I haven't watched him play. I just – I and, I just look at the stats after games, and and obviously stats don't tell the whole story. But that's just something I've noticed is that is that uh, a, a number has shown up in the interception column every single week. So I was just curious. Yes. All right. Uh, at number eight, who do you have? At number eight, I have the University of Michigan. All right. Uh, explain. I mean, you said it very well. I just had them a slot behind you. That- Defense is dominant. All right. Um, well, at my number eight, I have the Washington Huskies, and it's just because they have not played a ranked team. Um, they they struggled a little bit with Rutgers, but they've absolutely dominated the next three opponents, and that's great because that's what they're supposed to do. But if they're gonna if they're gonna kind of start jumping some spots and and maybe compete with Michigan for that sixth or, or fifth spot. They got to get some ranked opponents in there, and and now that they're in a, entering conference play, they'll have some chances to. But a week out of conference schedule was a uh, was a little disappointing for the for the for a Husky watcher like myself. They're a little bit behind on the whole scheduling the big game early, just because they weren't supposed to be a big game. Well, I think it's because they're in a different time zone. I think that's what it adds up to. Kind of, but you've seen other Pac-12 schools get big games, but that's the Stanford and the USC. Before last year, Washington wasn't supposed to be good. Nobody was lining up to play them. No, you're absolutely right. And the coach is the dude. What's that guy's name? I can't remember his name off the top of my head. He's a great coach, though. He's a great coach, and he, he accelerated the process, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But he also needs to recognize that in today's NCAA, you can't go through and play two FCS, FCS equivalent schools and then Fresno State and Rutgers in your uh, out-of-conference games. You have to bring in someone competitive, either bring them at home or play them in a neutral site game so you can get some respect uh, 
to your team and have no, that resume booster. Kind of like what I was saying, though. These games are scheduled five, six years in advance. I understand five that. Years ago, nobody was trying to play Washington. But when you have money, you can fix a lot of things, and I'm pretty sure the Washington football program has money where they can buy out one opponent, throw that money at another opponent, and get a, a good game. I'm I'm pretty sure they do. I'm sure they could figure it out and, you know, siphon money from wherever they have to. They could I'm I'm a hundred percent positive they could really figure it out. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they could, but it sounds like a lot of money that could be going to other places. Alright, well, we don't need to argue We're about not that. ADs at Washington. We don't need to argue about that. Let's move on to number nine. I have the Wisconsin Badgers. They're, they're staying put for me from where they were last week. Now, they didn't play this week, but I don't think a team should be punished or rewarded just because they don't play. So I, I'm, I'm leaving them dormant at nine. I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, Wally Pitt shouldn't have lost his job for getting hurt. But when Joe DiMaggio comes in after you, you lose your job. And TCU just took down one of the best teams in the country, like we talked about earlier, and they are number nine on my list. That's fair. TCU's TCU's a, a, a fine team to throw up there. Um, and number ten, who do you have? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So you just dropped them a spot, right? I think yeah. you had them at nine last week. I believe so. Okay, so you still have them in the top ten, and I agree with that. Um, I was I was kind of debating my my number ten spot went to the Hokies, and I was kind of debating between. TCU or Virginia Tech, and I ended up with the Hokies, but now the more I'm thinking about it, I think I'd have Tech at 11 and bring in TCU at 10 because they're still undefeated, and to go on the road and beat a a very good, what we thought was a good Oklahoma State team is very impressive. So uh, I'm going to have TCU at number 10. I was going to call you out on that if you ended up with the Hokies. No, I, I, I didn't, honestly, I just, I wrote their name down, and then I just kind of forgot about it, and then as I was, we, we talked about Oklahoma State losing, and I was like, oh, the TCU should definitely be in my poll, and then I realized when I was going through my list, like, oh, I forgot them, so I do want to give Virginia Tech a shout out, and that, let them know that they're number 11, but TCU has definitely earned the right to be in the top 10. So, that'll wrap up our uh, NCAA Week 4 Top 10 poll. If you guys have thoughts, opinions, your own poll that you want to share with us, please do by following us at, on Twitter at BudsBeers. You can tweet at us. Uh, when you follow us, we'll follow you back, and we'll tweet back at you because we want to we wanna communicate with you guys and, and really make this the best possible podcast for you. So that wraps up college football for the week. Next, we're going to have some quick hits. And now, Matt, we finally get into pro football and the story that everyone's talking about. Trent Richardson has officially signed with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. No way. Where can I get a Saskatchewan Rough Riders jersey? And what is their MVP trophy called? Because I'm going to go ahead and assume that Trent's winning that bad boy. You know, I'm sure there's 100 Chinese websites out there that could hook you up with a jersey. Why no you... idea what the CFL MVP is called. But, and I also am going to go ahead and suggest that they put some Eddie Lacy type clauses in that contract. Uh, I would suggest that, um, it, although it didn't seem to work out too well for Lacey, who I believe is like still for the last six overweight and has 
struggled to even find the field. Uh, just know the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are probably going to make a, a nice run for the Grey Cup this year. So let's go, Rough Riders. I mean, everybody else is just going to look like a bunch of hosers. Exactly. Uh, so to the National Football League, I have a question for you. After Hoyer's tough loss this week in the shootout on Thursday Night Football, did you call his family to uh, to console him? I did not personally, no. That's too bad. Now, real question, do you think that this offense is the, the team that put up 39 points, do you think that's more of what we'll see for the next, what is it, 13 games? Or do you think it's going to be more of the stuff that we saw in the first three or two? It's definitely, it's definitely going to be the stuff more towards the stuff we saw in the first two. Uh, I mean, outside of Aaron Donald, who's still just now getting started, that Rams defense is not exactly elite. And, I mean, you can be able to put points up on them, whether you're an actual franchise quarterback or Brian Hoyer. All right. Uh, your Brian, Brown... Brian Hoyer on Thursday is an actual franchise quarterback. He is a franchise quarterback. There's no doubt about that. Take away the first play of the game, and the guy was just perfection. Um, your Browns lost on the road to the Colts after being favored. How'd you feel? Yeah, no, you know what? That one didn't feel great. I actually ended up uh, boycotting the NFL after the Browns game, not because of anything that you may have seen in the news, but because I didn't actually want to think about football after the shit the Browns made me watch. Yeah, I, I can understand that. I was at the Lions game, and, and you may or may not know uh, people that the Lions lost on a last-second play because an official didn't know how to spot a ball. Um, but they also forced three turnovers and still lost, and that's really bad. So I was in a horrible mood, and for about an hour on the ride home, I was in a horrible mood. But after that hour, I was ready to kind of dive back in. I just had to turn the channel whenever they went to halftime or went to report on football games. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a rough week for both of us. Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, next little storyline I wanted to talk about was Blake Bortles going off for four touchdowns in London, which is really great. So next week we can already pencil him in for about three interceptions. He looked like Asian 007 points. He was scoring touchdowns left and right in the first quarter. I, I want to hang up on you because you just said that. That was so good. Get out of here. That was, oh my God. How long did it take you to think of that? I honestly just thought of it on the spot. Oh, my God. I can't believe I didn't hang up. Um, Is Joe Flacco elite? He's never been elite. What? I mean, what happened to that guy in that game? Like, I know the Jaguars have a good defense, but what the hell? I can't explain it because I watched that game because that was before the Browns game. But he was making boneheaded decisions and I mean, granted, we all know the Ravens rub it down in the field and hope you get an off uh, pass interference call. And even those passes were getting caught by the Jaguars. It was incredible. Wow, that's just that's too bad for him. Uh, another another someone who had a, a little bit of a too bad weekend was Trevor Simeon. He came crashing back to earth after being just the talk of the town in Denver, but. Pretty much to anyone outside of Denver, that was that was no surprise. Yeah, no, I mean they always regress to the mean, and I said it last week. I mean he, Trevor Simeon still is Trevor Simeon. Yeah, exactly. Um, who had a worse loss, the Steelers losing seventeen to twenty three to the Browns, 
or the Dolphins the losing six to twenty. Thank you, the Bears. Or the Dolphins losing six to twenty to the Jets. I'm going to say the Steelers just because they're legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Yep. And they lost to the Bears. Yeah, that's that doesn't take the Dolphins off the hook by any means. No, but you're exactly correct. The the Dolphins like to think they have a chance, and that's exactly why they went out and signed Jay Cutler. But in reality, you don't as long as Tom Brady still has a pulse and is putting on a Patriots jersey. The Steelers, I mean, that was that's a that's a horrible loss. And in, in a week where the Ravens lose, the Bengals lose, and the Browns lose, that was a really nice opportunity to take a two-game lead over the Ravens, and they kind of just they let it fall by the wayside because they couldn't stop the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and I mean, Ben's known for not playing great on the road, with the exception of Cleveland, obviously. But, I mean, there's a difference between not playing great and what he did on Sunday. That was just a bad, bad showing for what is a really good team. It was, it was horrific. Um, touchdown Tommy threw five touchdowns, but still had to come from behind. Are the Pats still an AFC contender, or will that defense knock him out early in the playoffs? It doesn't matter because I set Brandon Cooks on my fantasy. I did too. So no oh my god, I did too. I was we so convinced. I, I I had the worst fantasy Sundays in my entire life. Like no I. No one cares, man. I know, but I just because you brought up Brandon Cooks is the only reason I'm saying it. I know. I was. It was just a bad weekend for that. But um, I I, I am not as I was someone who picked the Patriots to go to the Super Bowl and uh win it again but after watching this team i'm not convinced that it's that it's a patriots team that we know and love obviously touchdown tommy is still killing it and the dude can still get points and win games but that defense is not a def- a patriots defense that we're used to i mean deshaun watson a rookie just carved up a defense that is supposedly led by a football guru and a defensive genius in matt patricia so uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely having a little doubt. I'm not pers- pressing the panic button, but you know, there's, there's a little bit of, uh, a little bit of, uh, doubt creeping in. It may not be as dominant of a Patriots team as we're used to, I guess, but that doesn't mean that they're not still a top three team in football. No, I'm, I'm just saying, I, I don't know if, you know, I don't know if they'll be able to go and, and accomplish the goal that I picked them for. Uh, speaking of goal... Oh, no, the Patriots might not win the Super Bowl. Their fans are going to be horrified. Speaking of goal, a 61-yard field goal knocked down the Giants to 0-3 by a rookie kicker. That's insane for a guy to make a kicker 60 plus, a kick of 60-plus yards outside of Denver. Yeah, no, that's insane. As time expires and your third game ever, I mean... Bravo to the kid whose name I already forgot. Yeah, I don't know his name, and I probably never will, but to, to see the highlight and to see that kid just knock it through was like, holy cow. That was It was incredibly impressive, and I loved it because the Giants fell to 0-3, and this was a team that you and I had both maybe thought could make some noise, um, and they're proving that they're absolutely not going to do that because I, I don't think – the percentage of teams that made the playoffs after starting the season 0-3 is very high. 8%. 8%. Well, you know what? Maybe the Giants are in that 8%. But uh, with the Redskins winning 
and Dallas winning and Dak kind of seeming to find himself, uh, that doesn't look good to, to just start yourself back two games. It does not, no. I mean, you're putting yourself behind the eight ball there in a real big way. You are. Speaking of Dak, the Cowboys bounce back with the Dak attack. You like that? I can't say 007, but you can say Dak attack. Yeah, but I rhymed it with bounce back and Dak attack. Easy, Slim Shady. Thank you. Um, and 28-17 to 17 win on the road is great for them. They need, They really needed it, but... I have to imagine that the play where Dak ran the ball in for the touchdown and he kind of did a flip into the end zone and got hit, every single Patri- or Patriots, every single Cowboys fan had to be holding their breath because if he gets hurt or, or lands funny, their season is in the hands of like Kellen Moore or I don't even know who another backup quarterback is for them. So Maybe the- they could go re-sign Brandon Whedon. I don't know. They'd be done. That's the point. Yeah, they- thank you. They'd be done. Um, you gotta give a quick shout out to Aaron Rodgers for winning his first overtime game in his entire career. He was previously 0-3. That really hurts me. I mean, just a, a guy as good as Aaron Rodgers not having an overtime win. Well, I, I think there's, there's two things. There's one thing that you really have to take away from it, and that's just, it kind of shows how good he is that he has, obviously he has a winning record as a starting quarterback, but his ability to put teams away in the in the regulation instead of having to go to overtime and get stuff done. I guess that's the only thing that you can really take away from it. But still, zero and three is not good, <laughs> and one and three really isn't either. It's not like all of a sudden he's fixed the record, but uh, it is. You gotta give a guy. You gotta give a guy a shout out when it he pops a cherry. Uh, last but not least. I want to give the Raiders a shout-out for proving the up-down theory. Last week, they destroyed the Jets, and Michael Crabtree scored three touchdowns. This week, they got beat down by the Redskins, and Michael Crabtree had one catch for, I believe, seven yards. So, shout-out to the Raiders for proving everyone right about that Excuse me, that theory. I mean, we... You gotta find a better connection, homie. I'm losing you. It's gonna be fascinating to see how they wind up playing the rest of the year. I mean, with this whole up and down performance thing. Yeah, I mean, that was another team that was a popular pick in the AFC to to make a run, and right now, what are they? Two and one. Yeah, that sounds right. So they're not they're not in bad shape, but you definitely you know hope that they. They find their balance, and their balance is an above-average football team. So they got to find it and, you know, win these games. Yep. All right, on to one last thing. This is our segment where we guys, we will give you guys one last thought before we end the podcast. And I'll let you go first today, Joey. Well, as mentioned before, uh, which Jenner sister is pregnant? Kendall? No, I thought it was the other one. I don't know who the other one is. Kylie. Kylie. There it is. She's not the only pregnant Kardashian. We're going to have a new little member of the Cavaliers. What? We're going to have a new little member of the Cavaliers, and OJ's going to be a grandpa. Chloe? Kardashian's pregnant. Seriously? Yeah. I saw that just before we started recording. Wow. Two, two new Kardashians entering this world. 
I mean, just when you just when you think that it can't get any worse and that there's nothing in this world that can save us, Kylie and Chloe take one for the team and are like, guys, check this out. That's, I mean, good for them. Good for them. Good, good for this world. Good for this country. And that's just fantastic. I love it. It's two more people to hand out Pepsis to police officers. Exactly. Two more people who are going to help end all of these protests and, and help end all of, you know, all of the issues that are going on in this country. I love it. So, shout out to them. Indeed. And your turn. Uh, my turn. So, I've been going to the Lions games a lot. And I'm going to start going to a lot of NHL games. And when you go to these games... Uh, buying a beer is $9.50, and that is simply ridiculous. So I need help from the listeners. I need a flask that will get through any uh, security, any metal detectors, a plastic flask, a plastic bag, any kind of way that you had to sneak alcohol into events. Send those to us on Twitter because I need these ideas, and I need a way to get in because I can't afford to keep paying $9.50 for a beer. That's just not right. So... Uh, plastic if, water bottle tucked into your waistband, bro. That's day one. Yeah, I'm sorry that I don't go on a Cincinnati's college game anymore. I go to real ones where they pat you down. Come on. See, I, I take those into the Indians game all the time. Yeah, it's baseball isn't really too uh, too worried about it. I'm just saying. Give me a break. But anyway, I didn't interrupt you, so can you just can you let me can you I'm let me finish it? Uh, if you guys have a tried and true method. Um, send it to us on Twitter at Bud's Beers with both B's capitalized. Um, if you give us a funny one, you give us a creative one, we will read them on our next podcast. So make sure you send those in to us. Now, if you send those in to us, your next step is going to be to follow us on SoundCloud or subscribe to us on iTunes. And then you're going to need to listen to a podcast, rate it, and then leave a comment and let everyone know how good we are. If you want to hear from Joey... for the t-shirt contest are still open. Ooh, yeah, you got to win your t-shirt. If you want to hear from Joey, you should follow him on Twitter. And Joey, where can they do that at? That would be at Stooley92. Beautiful. I'm on Twitter at Brez4694. And uh, I just want everyone to remember that jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Bye, guys.